Hi everyone and welcome to the Indie Dev Game Break Podcast, where we interview indie game creators and force them to take a break from their labors of love and talk about their inspiration, the technology, and the top games that influence them. I'm your host, Grant Carstensen from Stray Voltage Games. Hi everyone and welcome to this mid-season special of the Indie Dev Game Break podcast. We're super excited for this episode as we have Indie Royalty with us today, Operations Manager from Extremely OK Games, Heidi Moda. Heidi got connected into the indie game scene through her friends Pedro Medeiros and Amora Betany, who both needed business and operations help with Studio Miniboss in Brazil. With Miniboss's heavy involvement in Celeste, working alongside Matty Thorson, Noel Berry and Chevy Ray, Heidi handled operations management along with social media and community management for the game Celeste. With the success of Celeste, Extremely OK Games was formed in 2019, bringing the entire Celeste team under one company and to one location in their new head office in beautiful British Columbia, Vancouver. The same team, of course, also made the popular local multiplayer game Towerfall, which many first learnt of from the Ouya. Towerfall has since made its way to all major consoles including Steam, with many updates and new content. XOK Games, as they're often known as, or Extremely OK Games, are working hard on their next major release after Celeste, Earthblade, a 2D explore action game in a seamless pixel art world, coming out in 2024. Heidi, excited to have you with us here today, and welcome. Hi, Grant. Thank you for having me here. A pleasure. Okay, well, let's let's dig right in. So you're you're based out of Vancouver, right? Yes. So I I live in Vancouver for now, but my um, like I was born in São Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, and it has been great. I moved in 2019 uh, to work with XOK Games here, and yeah, it has been great so far. And what do you think of Canada? I really love Canada. Like it's a beautiful country, and it's like safe especially for me being a girl like walking alone i feel yeah. way safer here than in my yeah. city yeah you see less capybaras though oh yeah that's a downside <laughs> <laughs> that's a downside but i'm going to japan and at the How end of you? the year and they have Amazing. like a capybara cafe there that's kind of oh. funny that sounds good. I, I I had one one opportunity to visit Brazil in my life. I was in Sao Paulo, and um, there's a capybara at our local zoo out in Nova Scotia here. And I always tell the kids it's my favorite animal. So oh. seeing them on the side <laughs> of the road, I was like, capybaras everywhere. I love Brazil. <laughs> so, yeah. I had the same feeling with squirrels here because in Brazil <laughs> we don't have as many. So I was always like pointing at them, oh, my squirrel. And my friends, like my Canadian friends, they would be like, why you keep pointing at them? They're so like <laughs> common here. <laughs> I'm like, we don't have in Brazil like that. Yeah, yeah, it's funny the, the differences that are are, uh, are interesting to, to people from away. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, oh, that's great. Um, have you had a chance to get to uh, Stanley Park in uh, Vancouver there? Oh, yeah. I go sometimes, actually. Like, I bike around it nice. with my friends. It's a beautiful park. I love yeah. it. All the I peacocks. Do... Uh... Yeah, I do some bird watching, like, sometimes yeah. just for fun. 
Mm-hmm. And they have I forgot the, I just forgot the name of the the bird, but it's a really big bird. I forgot uh, I forgot the name. Oh we'll 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 remember it after and put it in the show notes. <laughs> oh I just remember it's, it's oh, blue yeah. heron, blue heron. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're very cool, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Is it the the great blue heron, I think? Is that right? I think so. I don't like the name yet. It's like big and majestic bird. Yeah. yeah, when they fly they're very like slow moving wings, big wingspan. Very cool. Yeah. All right, well let's get uh, into the game side of things. Um pleasure mm-hmm. to meet you. So in terms of, you know, becoming an indie game developer, or in your case, you know, you're both an indie game developer, but also um, part of an indie studio and in the game community. What in mm-hmm. general brought you into the, the game development community and, and business? Oh, it was um, kind of a luck on my side because I met Pedro Manteros and Amor Bethany in Sao mm-hmm. Paulo. Yep. And we started like just hanging out, being friends, and I was working with foreign trade at the time, and also like some admin stuff in other like types of companies. And they were like, oh, we really need someone to do our admin side, like our social media and help us with that. And I was like, wow, that's something that you should try to <laughs> get some help as soon as possible. And they were like, oh, do you want to help us out? Like, we are in your studio, so you can just try and see how you feel. Because I'm yeah. a very organized person, so they knew that. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. And then I just tried it out, and I kept, like, working with them until now. It's like I've been learning a lot from them and from our whole team, and also, of course, from university and all the resources online so it has been a journey of learning how to work with indie uh, studios and also it's kind of uh, hard to work by yourself like say let's say at home you need to have your own schedule your own thing that's something that i also learned not to have like a boss all the time, like, oh, you should do this, this, and that. Yeah. Like in an indie studio, it's more like you need to figure out what needs to be done. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, your, own, your own, much more your own venture, isn't it? And also yours to do as much or as little with as you choose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially with Pedro and Amora, like back in Brazil, mm-hmm. they are pretty chill. So they would be like, oh, yeah, you. You choose whatever you want to post, whatever you want to do. And I was kind of lost in the beginning. I was like, oh, I need some, like, directions. And they were like, oh, we actually don't know how to do this part, so you got to learn. And I was like, oh, okay. And how how did it start, Heidi? Was it um, because they were were at that time already known as Studio Miniboss, were they? Yeah, they were already known as Studio Mini Boss. They, I were, they already worked with Maddie, um, making Torfall, right? Uh, Torfall, Dark World, and Ascension. Mm-hmm. So now they were like, uh, when I met them, they were doing Skytorn, uh, with right. Noberry. Yeah. But then they canceled Skytorn and they started working with Celeste. So I. The time that I entered to really work with them was at the end of the Celeste development. Right. 
So I mostly work out with uh, the social media pages. Like I created them from zero. They didn't have, they just had like a Tumblr page. So I submit yeah. the control of the Tumblr page. And then I created the Twitter account and I created all the other socials and I started managing that. And then mm-hmm. um, that's just for mini boss. I was doing like the bookkeeping and the payments and managing the admin side. Right. And then, like, started working more and more with Maddie and all remote. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, actually, it would be great if we could all work together in one place because working remote is, like, kind of hard. It's tough at yeah. times, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Maddie, you no, know, Pedro and Amar, they were like, okay, so let's create a new company, like, after the Celeste release. Yeah. And like work together maybe in canada i don't know and they just they did that and then they yeah. came yeah i'm well, not the founder at all they are the founders mm-hmm. yeah. yeah nice so it's a nice um opportunity really with the success of celeste that gave you guys yeah it was like i think everything in life it's a mix of luck and if you accept the opportunities that you you have mm-hmm. um so i don't believe it's like oh everything like you get what you deserve you know like lots of people they work really really hard and they don't have the opportunity to work in a successful indie game yep. because i don't know it was like it was not a luck that they got they didn't get lucky enough, but then if you keep trying, like at some point, maybe it will happen. So I think in life, it's a mix of, like I said, like luck and accepting the opportunities that comes to you. To you. Yeah, so that's I think what that's I really, try. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good way to look at it. Right? You, there, there's some truth to you make your luck, like you said, accepting the opportunities and working hard at them. But yeah. doesn't doesn't also guarantee success, does it? Yeah, that's true. So when when you started with Studio Miniboss then and, and helping um, uh, Pedro and Amora, was it a, mm-hmm. a kind of a paid gig off the bat or were you guys kind of still in the early days, kind of it was your volunteering, if you know what I mean, joining them and helping on the side? Uh, or? No, it was like a volunteering at yeah. the beginning, like just right. trying out and seeing how, if if it works or not. So the first months were like just volunteering from my side, and then like the payments they came uh, later. Yeah, I think that's kind of like internship in that sense. Like I was trying out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. And then, um, so as you got involved with them, so it sounds like it was more your friendship than um, kind of through the game community. But were you a gamer yourself? prior to getting involved in the industry? Oh yeah, so I think I'm not like a real gamer that plays like, wow, like 10 hours in one week. But when I was a kid, I got a Super Nintendo from my brothers. (laughs) And then I used to play every time like after school. I used to play like Mario and Aladdin and Lion King. That was like 
really fun. Or like we used to get like uh, our friends uh, 64 mm. and then play the games like Pokemon and other yeah. kinds of games there. And uh, yeah, and then like with PlayStation, PlayStation 4. Yeah, I kept like playing games here and there, but I was not like a real, real gamer. Mm-hmm. Like my friends are, like Pedro and Amor, for example, they play all the Zelda's, like all <laughs> the Zelda's. Yeah. I think Maddie too, and Maddie play like all the Mar- the Mario games, all the Zelda's, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool, but I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. Some of those games are a lot of hours. <laughs> yeah. It takes a big investment too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Very cool. Um, so in terms of your, your schooling and as you went through your career here and, and joining Extremely Okay in that, um, mm-hmm. it looks like you, you studied, um, was it international relations? Tell, tell me a little bit about that and if it, uh, if you think it's, it's helped you at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I studied international relations at UNIFESP. It's a, a public university in Brazil. It's a really good universities like free uh, it's public funded but it's one of the hardest ones to get into so I'm really proud <laughs> of that time wow um and then like I so free f- like sorry. legitimately the tuition's free yeah we don't pay wow. at all it's funded by the government like of course we pay taxes right but, yeah yeah but it's free amazing but a very high yeah. entrance requirements, it sounds like, is what you're saying. Yeah, because there are not enough, like, spots, yeah. so it's hard to get into. But luckily, I got into, I studied a lot, to be honest. And then, <clears throat> I think it happened because I learned economics there, and I learned about, like, how to, how can I say, to interact with and respect other nations, other cultures, so like how to look deep into that. So when I moved to Canada, for example, I already knew Maddie from like working remote, but sometimes like I would have a cultural shock here, not only like working with the team here, but like living in Canada. And then I think international relations like helped me navigate that part. And understand, like, that's a different culture, like, and also, like, having an idea in the business side, like, how to make connections with different companies. So we work with, like, companies from Japan and uh, also USA, and I think international relations was useful in that sense for me. Nice. Yeah. And if if nothing else, like you mentioned, you had strong organizational skills. Um, university teaches you about time management, prioritizing, you know, oh, being able yeah. to be self-directed and organized, doesn't it? Yeah, also in that sense, I think it was useful. And also the part of doing research and mm-hmm. learning stuff mm-hmm. like by yourself and making like a critical view of whatever you are doing because when i'm uh, doing for example marketing for it's okay doing the social Mm -hmm. media or 
do anything marketing related. I think it's we need to have like a critical view of what we are posting and how that affect like other cultures or like the language that you are using everything. So if I'm posting, for example, oh, we have like a physical edition in Japan, I would prefer to post that in Japanese, like instead of just English, because right. in Japan they value a lot if you like right. use their own language for the stuff um, instead of like just English. Yeah, and you and you speak That's Japanese, don't you, Heidi? Right. Yeah, but it's intermediate level. So, yeah. and for that case, I would ask eight to four. It's a mm. Japanese company, so they do the localization for Celeste. Uh, yeah, I would ask their opinion. Yeah, for example, it's probably smart not to get it all wrong on a post, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like there is a fun fact about that. Uh, in Celeste, the previous localization had a really bad term in Japanese mm -hmm. that would translate to, for example, a crazy person. And then, like, we need to, like, we got H24 to fix that because mm -hmm. we didn't know at the time. Yeah. But they yeah, got, like, yeah. in the news. Yeah, yeah I could see that. And, and for Celeste being... Again, very much a, pl a platformer for those who've played it in kind of that hardcore style, very difficult, pixel perfect and that. But um, story was a big reason for its success, I, I thought, and certainly a big part of the game, the, the journey the main character goes through. So a lot of writing in it, actually. Yeah. Getting like, that translation um, right. <laughs> yeah, so the Japanese localization was all redone. Mm. Like, it's... Because the previous one, like, had some typos, but that specific word was really bad to be there. Mm, yeah. So yeah, especially when you think sense. of, you know, mental health as part of the the subject. You don't want the wrong words and the wrong, <laughs> yeah. the wrong ideas yeah. in there, which is opposite of what the game was about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know, for example, just, uh, I like Japan a lot. Mm -hmm. And then Asia in general, like their culture and everything. So I'm always trying to get our team to have more content there somehow. So now we have like simplified uh, Chinese and traditional Chinese, like new lo localizations, for example. Oh, wow. So I managed like getting these localizations into the new game. Hmm. So, so, so how many, how many languages is it in? Oh, I'm not sure in total. I need to double check. But <laughs> we have like English, Spanish, the uh, simplified and traditional Chinese, Japanese. I think we have French too, hmm. Portuguese, and the Portuguese uh, Portuguese version was revealed by Amora, so it's perfect. She's really good with hmm. grammar and stuff. Right. Yeah. Nice. What um. Out of curiosity, with you know, you 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 say you're very fond of of Japan, and you're going there later. And uh, how, how's how's Celeste done in Japan? Has it been a successful game in that market? Oh yeah, I think yeah. so. But it's not as big as in China actually, mm -hmm. or in USA or gotcha. Brazil. But it did well enough. Yeah. Uh, we had a physical edition there, 
oh, okay. for some time, like yeah. an exclusive version. Nice. So let's, let's move on to the next question there, and just let's talk a little bit about um, some of your uh, getting into games, and, and it looks like you've made a few games. Um, tell me about an earlier memorable game that you made. Okay. Yeah, so I made uh, some study games. Mm-hmm. Just to try it out. And the first game that I considered that was like a real game was called The Abyss in English, but mm-hmm. all abysmal in Portuguese. And it was made in time. And I got Pedro's help to make the art. So he made all the art and I made the story on Twine. And I published it on Inchayo, my homepage. And it's about a warrior and her journey to become the best version of herself. Mm. It's a pretty small game, but yeah. I like it. Yeah. And what, what, what kind of prompted you to make that game? You, what do you mean, sir? Yeah, like what, what kind of... What, what was the reason you decided you wanted to oh. make that game? Was it just to learn a bit about what the others in the studio were doing? Or as you got involved oh. with the boss? It was like a mix of some stuff that was happening at the time. So mm-hmm. at the time, I I don't actually talk much about it, but I will say here, but I had PTSD. Oh. And then I was struggling at the time with that. And then I made the game to express myself, kind of get out of my chest. Hmm. And then also like to learn how to make a proper game from start to finish even though it's a really small and study game like a project i i meant like it was meant for me to express myself and learn during the process did you um did you enjoy the experience yeah it was great like it was really nice to work on twine it's really simple to Mm -hmm. It's not like you can't code there, but it's coding in the logical sense. Yeah. It is like put the. It's for text games, so story right. based games, mostly. Right. So that was Twine you used was the the game engine. For yes. That. Yeah. Yeah, the tool was Twine. Nice. And who who helped you with that? Did you get some help from those in the studio on some of the art and assets? Yeah, so Pedro did all the art, and Amora, I think she revealed the text part, so the grammar for everything, she revealed that part, and yeah, I, the rest I was like looking at uh, Google, how to learn how to do this and that yeah. by myself. Nice. So yeah. you, you, you were spoiled a bit though, Heidi, for your first game, you got professional art. Yeah. <laughs> Most of us have stick finger stick figures and, you know. Yeah, that's spoiled. Yeah, no. That's the lucky part that I mentioned before. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel um you know it it helped you at all in terms of understanding a bit what the others in the studio are doing and in your role? Um, do you think it was yeah, kind of useful? Yeah. yeah. It was pretty useful because uh, I was reading about game design at the time, but um, like I see all the indie devs, they always say, oh, you need to learn like by doing, like make your own project and learn. And I think even though I work with administration, 
uh, at the very beginning, I was kind of, oh, I'm not sure, like, how can I be helpful here? And then mm-hmm. making a game, like, taught me, oh, okay, I can help, like, with this and that, like, was, was good for me. Nice. Yeah, well, great job. As someone once said to me when I, I showed this small little game I made, and, you know, I was a little shy about it, and they said, better than every any game I ever made because you finished it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, uh, exactly. Just finishing it finishing. is something to be proud of, too. Yeah, because yeah. starting is, like, kind of easy, but finishing is finishing. something to be proud of. It is. It is. It's where all the hard work, like they say with book writing, right, the... That last yeah. uh, editing phase is the hardest to do and the longest off. Yeah, I think finishing everything, right? Even like anything. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, tell me then, uh, as your your journey into games with Mini Boss and then into Extremely Okay, of, of your work there, what's the uh, what what's the game you're the most proud of at this point? Or enjoyed the most. I think would be Celeste, like because we like we got such a heartwarming reception, and we still have like we still receive messages or like emails, like even letters from our fans, uh, Mm. saying how they got like touched by the game, how the game helped them with their own mounting, like. The metaphor mm. for their own life struggles. So I think it's like the uh, impact was so positive that I cannot think at the moment of any other game than Celeste. Yeah. 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 Well, l- l- lucky game to be be part of and proud of. I I, I would agree. I've it's a game I've played and uh, my my a few of us in our family we thoroughly enjoyed. So. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious what it was like because you know that it's it's done so well and was so um, you know with so many players and and so well just globally like you said with fans still writing mm-hmm. in big community. What was it like mm-hmm. in the early days getting involved and and kind of watching that go from smaller to bigger to bigger and being involved in that? Tell tell me a little bit about that journey. I think that'd be really interesting. I was amazing because like uh, we didn't know that Celeste would be that successful we thought oh it will be a nice game like people will like it probably and then like after IGN released their uh, review and gave us a 10 and then other press started giving us a 10 we were like whoa what and then yeah and then like all the fans started like finishing the game and replying and posting their gameplays and they were having so much fun and i think the <clears throat> the fact that the game you can speed run it also mm-hmm. made stuff made it easier for people to have fun with it yeah and it was amazing to be involved in in that sense but in like after not uh, how can i say like the game was done but then we just needed to send to the press right like that right. time I was so busy, I went to sleep like 4 a.m. I was like sending all the keys, all the emails, all the press kit. It was really intense. So it was a relief to see that after all the hard work, people were enjoying the game. Yeah. Is there there anything, you know, because 
you know, general rule in indie marketing or, or a common rule anyways is, you know, step one is make a great game because you can drive all the traffic you want to your game and in the end, if it's not a great game, well, it'll do how it does. So if you have a great mm-hmm. game, though, it can still go unnoticed. Like you said, you need that that combination of luck and also doing the right things. Do you think anything, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about, your, you know, your role, that the work the whole team did between launch and, and getting the word out there, was there was there something that you think was really smart that that was done that really helped get the word out there or, or helped give it a better audience or bigger opportunity? Um, there's a mix of lots of things. Lots of little think, things that were hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There is, of course, a mix of, for example, uh, our team. They already worked on Torfall, which was a successful game. Um, Kevin uh, from Power Up Audio, he kept like pushing at the time that we should give more attention to uh, the speedrun community, which was mm. growing more and more. And then we just listened to what he was saying. And then Pedro and Namora, they kept pushing on the side that we should have an assist mode and not sure. like not make it in a sense that it was like a cheating mode but an assist assistant mode so you can make the game uh like configure it in a in a way that helps you instead of like punishing you oh you are cheating like we we didn't want to give that impression because it's not true like the game should be fun to everyone right that's what we we wanted so yeah, and also I think from my side, I was always like really present with the community and like giving them lots of attention, replying on the questions, and like I don't know, I I, I gave my best in that direction too. So it was a mix of all the team like working really hard on their own stuff. That yeah, I don't, I I cannot point just one right. thing. Then yeah. When do you think, uh, so you, maybe you've already highlighted, when, when was the moment where kind of you and all the team kind of recognized that you had something pretty big here? Was it kind of when those reviews came in or was it the first week of sales or some, do you remember a moment? Uh, I think the moment was when we saw that Celeste was like side by side in the game awards with Red Dead Redemption and God of the War. <laughs> Doing I was right. like God. Yeah, I was, we were like, oh, oh why? Like what is happening? And then we thought our little babies like side by side with God of War, like what? Like Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a big moment. And I'm worried and drill unlike that an art piece that was like meddling being a girl side by side with those buffered guys from <laughs> like <laughs> the other games. That's fun. Yeah. Nice. Um, so it sounds like really the, one of the, the, the things there was really connecting with that speed running community. So listening to the feedback and getting their engagement helped the game as well in your mind for sure. 
Yeah, and also uh, Kevin from Power Up, he's also a speedrunner, so he had lots of experience in that sense. So he kept like um, playing Celeste over and over again and giving like his feedback on how mm. to improve in that sense as well. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so incorporating, you know, a combination of player feedback and others and really just keep, keep making it great. And and have you beaten yeah. have you beaten Celeste Tidy? Yeah, I, I beat <laughs> it, but with assist mode because I can't do like without it. It's simply too hard. <laughs> it took but me. But it's um, funny because yeah. mm. it is Thank hard. You. I agree with you. Go, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that uh, some of our team members they haven't finished the game like. In- like a normal person would do they have like played the game like this yeah. one or that one but not <laughs> yeah yeah surprised me it's it is a different thing building it than playing it you'll you, i yeah. find you lose all subjectivity if you're the if you if you play too big a role in building it and playing it because you're always testing things so you lose all subjectivity. yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true yeah yeah so you beat the game you are saying yeah, I'm I'm with uh, Small Indie Studio as well. We we do this podcast, Stray Voltage Games. So we got a little a, a platformer coming out in a actually later this year. So it's been a slog in the part time in the evenings, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it's funny. I was um, my myself personally was active in the Pico Eight community for quite a few years, and uh, I remember when Celeste came out on Pico Eight. I was like, what is mm-hmm. this game? It had like hundreds of speedrunners jumped all over it and had all the posts and that was quite exciting moment on Pico Eight as well. Oh yeah, there was by Maddie and all they made yeah. the Pico Eight and then they were like, Oh actually we should do like a, a real big game, like not just a Pico Eight game. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's fun because I, I had a chance to play that because I was again just part of that pico 8 community and been building games and mm-hmm. seeing what was out there like it's a great little um great little prototype spot and kind of uh being an older guy myself it's fun to go back to the 8-bit type era so um it's mm-hmm. really kind of uh, for those who don't know i think we covered it on a past episode it's it's like a, a fantasy console that reminds you a lot of an old 8-bit 8-bit atari or or even a little mm-hmm. little less powerful than the nintendo way but anyway much lower resolution, but yeah, the Celeste first came out there. It's included in the game, but um, yeah, the, uh, the 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 fun part with Celeste too is there's one of the levels that um, literally the exact same Celeste level in the Pico Eight game pretty much made it mm-hmm. right into the major game. I, I still see it every time I play it. I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's cool. So. I think the ne- next question, let's delve a little bit in because we've had a lot of different guests on the episode, uh, ranging in roles from kind of doing doing a bit of everything to more art or more more developers. You're the first we've had on the podcast that really focuses on that marketing side, which is, uh, you know, just as important, you know, have a great game. And then the second half is market that game so someone actually plays it, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so I think there's a great opportunity to talk a little bit about you know, what is, what is your life like in this role and, and what does that look like in the indie scene? Um, so maybe just mm-hmm. like what's a typical day or week like in, in an operations management, social media outreach, community management role that, that you do? Mm-hmm. So 
since our team is really small, it's basically like I wear many hats, right? And then a typical way would be, for example, I check all the emails, like the business emails, deal with that, like arrange meetings, and get this out of the way first. And then uh, I also do like the community management, so check our servers, see how they're doing, if it's healthy, if they have any suggestions for improvement, or like interact with them a bit. We have like a a special part in our server that we ask questions that the events they send. So I check there and see if there's anything that I can answer to or like forward the questions to our other team members and ask if they can reply and then check our social media and uh, create posts. So I, ha- I use some online tools mm-hmm. and then I make the posts and try to like get a sense of what it's popular at the moment, like some memes that I can use for Celestia or for yeah. Earthblade or for just our team. And let me think. Oh, yeah. So checking also the bank accounts and doing payroll, updating our book- bookkeeping spreadsheets, royalty spreadsheets, all the spreadsheets of the world. <laughs> mm. And then taking care of the office. So I need to check if we have enough food there, if everything's clean or need attention, checking our mailbox, if we have anything um, to deal with, like the letters, if there's letters from CRA or from any other government. <laughs> no, no, don't Shred- do that. Shredder, all the <laughs> no. And CRA then... is the IRS in the U.S., for listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes we get refund checks so that's good and yeah. then um oh yeah i also do like i keep all of our new uh, earthquake game assets mm. like i'm helping with the documentation of the game so i check what the team has been talking about like yep. in our discord server and then i screenshot or save everything that I think is useful for the future. So we have a documentation of that. And um, let me see. Oh, yeah. So I was helping with uh, decorating Earthblade. But right now they are doing some stuff in the code that I I can't decorate at the moment anymore. Mm. But they will finish that part soon. Nice. And hopefully, I can decorate Earthblade again. So, on top of everything else, you're 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 getting a bit involved in the the build process too, or the get, yeah, well, getting some some art in there and like yeah. So basically, Pedro draws the the art assets, mm-hmm. and then in our editor, they are there, and then I just pick the ones that. I can put in this level or like in mm. that room yeah. and I keep decorating, but, um, yeah, we, yeah, I cannot say much. <laughs> no, that's fine. No worries. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the one thing I, I do notice with your social media and that, um, 
do a lot of like memes and and custom art or or at least reuse assets in certain ways. Um, oh yeah. How much of that is kind of custom art for the socials, like something quick one of the team members drew up versus stock things you have? Oh, so basically, like just for Earthplay, we have new content that I can post, but for Celeste, we don't have any new content. So I have been reusing lots of the old art, uh, especially the high resolution arts from Amora that she mm-hmm. drew. Mm-hmm. And I think that I got this idea from Victoria Tran. She's the community manager, actually community director from Among Us. And she's great, like as a community director mm-hmm. and she posts like uh, stuff in her newsletter and in her Twitter as well and she posted about reusing art and how that can be useful for you because the indie studios if they are really small like us they for example I cannot ask them oh can you draw this for me like today because yeah. yeah. you're or, taken away from the game <laughs> yeah like I cannot ask for new stuff and I don't have a art assistant that could help me with the marketing like there is nobody helping me with the marketing so basically i need to use what i have in my hands right now so i have been reusing it and so far it has been like doing good in our marketing side i think hopefully i can have our assistant in the future yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Because my question was a bit leading because I thought it looked like some of it was very, very custom for social media. So it's working. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. Okay, mm. great. So, so the real answer there is you have a little bit made, you got a few pieces, and you mix and match and reuse and do what yeah. you can with what you have. Yeah, basically, I can edit some of the old art mm-hmm. assets but i don't have any new like original pieces so right. far oh, makes sense. Yeah. makes sense the um tell me a little bit about um so we talked a lot about uh, the social media side and 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 the, the running of the office um press kits are are one thing i wanted to ask you about because I, th- I think it's a thorn in many indie studios side having to make that press kit have any mm-hmm. any tools, any tips, any any hacks that you think are you'd recommend to our listeners? Yeah, so what I think is like you you need to have a simple and easy to understand press kit because uh you will send these to journalists and they are yeah. really busy reading lots of press kits, so you need to stand out somehow. So the screenshots are really important. You need to give like a sense of like of the gameplay in just a few screenshots. Let's say three to five. Yeah. And you can use like other tools to help you with that. For example, you can write your press kit on Google Docs and then put it in the in on Dropbox. And I have a template that. You guys can use like if Grant can share. Um, sure. The we'll link put that later. in the show notes. Amazing. Yeah, like yeah. feel free to use that template. Just basically, like change the the assets and the text and use the template. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's nice. pretty much it. 
Okay. And then, uh, well, let's let's move on to the last question, and then we'll get to the the last uh, half or third of this uh, on the top five games. So mm -hmm. let's let's switch gears and talk a little bit about your upcoming project, Earthblade. Um, what can you tell us about that? You know, maybe yeah, kind of your journey into Earthblade and how you got there and uh, how it's all going. What what you can say, of course, because I know it's pre-release. So. Mm -hmm. Um. So. True. To start working on Earthblade, we tried lots of other projects first, and then I think Earthblade was the was the game that we thought like everyone was happy with it. Like was we were feeling good about keep working on it. Um, it is consuming more time than we thought before, <laughs> because like it's always. a bigger game. Yeah. It's a bigger game than Celeste, mm. and I think this, it's like the story is more complex than Celeste as well. Um, yeah, I think that's that's what I can share for now. It, it has been amazing, and hopefully we can see more of Earthblade next year if we can finish it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Oh, we're looking forward to it. I think there's a, a, lo a lot of people looking forward to it if you... Uh check in on your your discord or socials there yeah, um, that's yeah. What, what, what do you think fans are going to like most about it or what, what's the thing you're most excited about in earthblade is there something there that you think people will really like i think the story will hmm. like i i know that the celeste story was also nice but mm -hmm. it's a completely different world and it's so mysterious that i think people will have lots of fun like with their own conspiracies, like, oh, this this character means this or that, and they will keep, like, talking about that, because they do that with Celeste, they keep, like, oh, this means what? Like, they kept, like, trying to find the meaning of yeah. every detail, so in Earthplay, we have so many um, characters, and it's, like, so mysterious that they will have fun with that part as well. Nice. The, the little yeah. bit of the video and and uh, footage available there, I had a, had a quick look. Um, the the smooth pixel world looks interesting, where you know there isn't those scene breaks. It's it looks like mm -hmm. just it's very contiguous, which looks yeah. very interesting. As a must have been some technical work to make that happen there as well, eh? Yeah. So we are getting inspiration from open world games. And I think Zelda is one yeah. that I can mention. Makes sense. But we will try to make it in a pixel board, like pixel <laughs> art. <laughs> That's right. Like Zelda 2, but newer and better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure if it's better. <laughs> so that's such a high bar. That is a high bar. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, amazing. Looking forward to it. And we'll... Uh, We'll be, we'll be sure to be checking in on, on how that's going. Fingers crossed for 2024 for you and the team. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully we can release our blade and work yeah. in another game. Like we are tired of working on the same <laughs> game. <laughs> Finishing's hard. <laughs> yeah, finishing is hard. All right, let's move on to the last segment and uh, the, the lighter-hearted segment, the top five games that influenced you segment. So Heidi, what we're going to do now 
So I'm going to count down your top five from number five down to one, and we'll we'll talk about each, how it influenced you or or impacted you in some way, or maybe it was just the most fun. Criteria is really yours. But let's start with number five. So published okay. by Nintendo and released uh, on release with the Switch, also was on the Wii U back in March of 2017 by Nintendo, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Heidi, why is this number five on your list? I think because like uh, I played Zelda Breath of the Wild for like six months, but in a really relaxing pace. Yeah. And seeing like Zelda in such an open world and it was so like, it was really fun to be honest. And I did all the quests and I didn't feel pressure to finish as soon as possible. I was just like cooking and like doing all the tiny little things in the yeah. game and then I would be like, oh, okay, I will do like some shrines now and then a huge dragon would pass and I would be like, oh, damn, there's a huge dragon in this game. <laughs> so I was like, so surprised with all like the, the environment of Zelda. Each environment was so rich. Mm. So it was really fun. I... I had a really nice time playing it, and I finished it, and I had, like, <laughs> was such a funny moment. I was, like, on my horse, just chilling, and Amora was watching me playing at the time, yeah. and I was just, like, going here and there, and all of a sudden, a guardian started following me and shooting, like, lasers on me or, or something, and then I panicked. And I, I was on my horse, right? So I jumped off the cliff, got my parachute, but then the the laser got into my horse, so my horse caught on fire. And then I was like, just laughing and saying, you, you abandoned your horse. And I was like, I was going to die. So it was, it was really funny that time. It, and then did you have to start, or was that, like, the winning moment just after that? Uh, what do you mean, Luke? What's, what's that, sorry? What do you mean? Like, what do you say? Oh, sorry. I thought you said you were, just as you were winning it, just chilling out playing it, you had your horse light on fire and all this Oh, no. Like, was I was just, just chilling. Oh, that was just one moment in the game with Amora watching. Yeah, uh, she was just like surprised that I abandoned my horse. <laughs> okay, I was gotcha. Like, I was gonna die. She was judging you. <laughs> she was judging me. Yeah. As someone who invested more hours in Breath of the Wild probably than you, she was judging your your performance. Yeah. <laughs> she was judging that I was like cool with my horse. <laughs> Sounds like a tough crowd to play Zelda in front of, though. From what you described, everyone played all the Zelda games very dedicatedly so probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, then, and I think Amora she did pretty much all almost like 99% of the content oh, wow. it was like crazy yeah. I don't know yeah nice yeah. well that's a good pick certainly certainly makes sense being a, a popular game in in the studio and part of the maybe a little bit of inspiration for Earthblade too it sounds like Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your fourth then, created by mm -hmm. That Game Company and published by Sony, released on PlayStation 3 back in 2012, I think PS4 in 2015, 
It's the indie adventure game Journey. I think since then it's been ported to quite a few other platforms. So, but Heidi, mm-hmm. where uh, what puts Journey on, as number four on your list? So Journey is a special game for me because, um, like, uh, from what I remember when I was playing, I felt such a strong sense of connection with other players that were there. We would like make sounds to signal to each other that we were there. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't know, uh, we don't have tests in the game, but we find other online players during our journey Mm. and then we can make sounds and make friends with that player and then help each other during the game so it just felt like the experience of playing and connecting with random people online without any text without anything just like sounds was something so special that i was not expecting Mm. um for a game and also the game is really beautiful um, the characters are very unique, at least in my opinion. So that was like m- more about friendship, and uh, like for me. And also, they have um, I forgot the name, but they have a new game on the Apple Store, the Apple Arcade, and it has that sense of making friends with strangers as well with just sounds or like tiny like gestures that you can do while playing the game it's like really nice Mm. oh we'll have to look that up yeah i think i think journey came to ios as well did it or did i get that wrong Uh, i'm not sure i play on playstation 4 that's where you played it yeah 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 i I remember reading about that game a lot in in the press i think like you said uh, just that atmosphere and the art style got it's kind of a desert world isn't it that you're exploring yeah it's a desert and then there are lots of challenges and you feel like in the beginning you are alone in that Mm. world but then when you see another person in the desert you are like oh another person and then you hang out and then you keep like making sounds near each other so you just feel like oh okay we are together now we can help each other yeah oh very neat So let's move on to number three then, developed by Mm -hmm. Giant Squid, published by 505 Games for the PS4 and Windows back in 2016, now available on Switch and Xbox uh, and a few others as well now. The underwater exploration adventure, Abzu. Heidi, tell Mm -hmm. us about this one. So this one I really like because um, I like nature in general so animals and anything nature related and this game like like you said is underwater and then you feel like you are part of the ecosystem there so they have for example kind of sharks that try to attack you but somehow you don't hate the sharks there you just feel like oh like they are trying to attack me but it's not they are your enemy like in usually games, like we have the enemy that is like the pure evil and you're gonna mm-hmm. kill them. But in Abzu, you just feel like you are really part of the ecosystem and you have like dangerous zones, but they are not really your enemy. So I really like this sense of just 
experiencing that. It's more, more, more adventure and what's the word? I guess it's more realistic, right? Like so many movies. Yeah. Everything's so black and white. Sounds like it's much more about just being part of it all. Yeah, it, it doesn't give the sense of, like you said, black and white, good and evil. It was like you are trying to survive and you are trying to just do your own thing, but there's like some dangerous creatures out there that you also respect because you are so small, that beautiful world, and the art is amazing. Yeah. Like you just keep discovering like lots of fishes and beautiful uh, corals. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, let's move on to number two. Another game published by Nintendo and quite a departure from your previous ones. It's first released all the way back in 1999, and its most recent release is in 2018 for the Switch. It's the Fighter Super Smash Brothers. Or Bros. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Mushrooms. Yeah. So tell us about this pick, Heidi. This is mostly because I keep like playing and competing with my friends. Yep. So it's it's just like for fun, and also I think it's a great fight game. Um, for example, we have when usually we have uh, indie events here, and we can play Smash with each other. It's so crazy because everybody's so good at it. So mm. you, <laughs> it's pretty hard. Or like when we can play online, doing pop with each other, and then play against other people. Like let's say they are in Japan, they are also pretty good, and then we yeah. fight together and upgrade like our characters. It's just a really fun game to make friends and have fun in general with everyone. Yeah, a really good game. Oh, and uh, I don't know if I can say that, but there's some of Smash, a little bit of it in Earthblade. That's all I can that's say. That's all I'll say. All right. That's all yeah. you'll say. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds exciting. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe in, you know, Nintendo's 2025 release, there'll be an Earthblade character Nintendo release. <laughs> that's how we'll Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I can't share anything. Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, that would be <laughs> very cool. So um, two questions for you then on Smash Brothers, um, Smash mm -hmm. Bros. Um, one, wh where do you rate mm -hmm. yourself in terms of ability? Ah, like from one to ten? Yeah, like, you know, are you you can hold your own. Uh, no, I can I can do okay, but there is one like annoying thing is like I I prefer the pro controller for playing Smash. Hundred percent. So if I I'm using another controller, like I get so confused. I'm like, oh no, I can't. Like I really need the pro controller. Yeah. So that's something that is annoying. I think I would be compared to everyone that I know. Let's say a seven. It's pretty good. It's pretty that's, good. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would I would rate myself around a two. Every now and then I join my son. No, and they, I just start mashing buttons and lose. <laughs> so. Oh, I bet you. I bet you are good, but you I, you don't want to see. Yeah. No. 
no, no. If I was good, I would say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay, that's excellent. So, so, so decent skills is how I'm going to characterize that. So, uh, remind me not to play yeah. you at Smash Bros. So, the um, it sounds like though it's a bit of a, a community thing beyond your team. Is there? Um, I know Vancouver's got quite a few, um, quite a quite a good indie games scene as well as AAA mm-hmm. studios there. Is there a bit of a community mm-hmm. there in Vancouver that yeah, you go to some of these meetups yeah. and things like that? Yeah, so um, for example, Brace Ourselves, they have meetups here and there, and they all always have Smash for everyone to play yeah. and tournaments there. Yeah. But I lost a tournament was so, so bad. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So... All right, well, let's go to your final game then. Developed mm-hmm. by number one, I should say. Developed by Studio Zero. And it's mm-hmm. an enhanced port of the 2011 game of a similar name. Uh, it was released in Japan in 2019. It's now out in Switch and other platforms as well. It's Catherine Full Body. So this looked like a really interesting pick. Tell us about this one, Heidi. Oh, this one, I really love it because it's a mix of two things that I like. One is like really good art and mm. story, and two it's puzzle games. So this game is like was really fun for me to play because in the puzzle side, I feel like kind of work my brain to fix all the the bricks that you gotta move to climb. Uh, there's like towers that you are trying to escape. Mm. So I would like really think how, what I should do here. And there to to climb that to- the those towers, and then on the story side, depending on how you interact with the characters, the story changes, and then the art is really good. I believe the art is by Atlas. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and they also did the Persona art, yeah. so they are really good. Like so each a- character. Sorry, mm-hmm. is it a little bit in that Persona style, kind of the comic book or like anime 2D yeah, style? Yeah, the or? anime yeah. style, yeah. Anime 2D. And like being a, a Japanese game, they have all like um, those reactions that mm. are like, eh? yeah. they're like really like like the anime character vibe. Yeah. So, and I love anime as well. And mm. they have. Not as much as when I was a teenager, but I still love it. Mm-hmm. It was like it was a mix of the two words that I like: uh, puzzle and story, anime kind of style. Nice. And is there yeah. is there uh, one thing or one moment in the game that really stands out to you in terms of the story that that you always go remember? Oh yeah, but it's a bit of a spoiler. I would oh, is say, it? is that okay? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, it, it, I think the game's old enough that if if people haven't okay. played it yet, I think we can release a spoiler. Let's do it. Oh, okay. So we've we've given so the audience plenty of notice. <laughs> we can turn it off now. <laughs> Spoil mm-hmm, away. Yeah, spoils are oh, spoilers are coming. It's basically like um at the like the end. They're like. You are climbing to escape the, like a hell scene, mm. 
Mm. And all the sheep, they're like real people and it's like so evil. It's hard to describe. I think yeah. you you gotta play to get that sense of it's like there's something really bad happening and people are turning to sheep, and that's kind of a hellish board. It's like it's kind of mm-hmm. you gotta play to feel and how weird that is. Do you escape or only if you're good? No. You you escape, but. There, uh, from what I remember, because I played a while ago, mm. you have like different endings. So you are basically also dating while you are doing all this. <laughs> this, this. Sorry, I just like using yeah. cursor word. But you are also dating, uh, yeah. trying to, because you're a girlfriend at the time. You are in a bad situation with her, and then you meet another girl, and you are like, uh. So it's kind of funny. Hmm. So there's yeah. a, like a dating sim element to this game. There is a little bit of a dating sim. <laughs> it's quite the you, mashup. Depending depending on what actions you choose, you will end up with one or another. Hmm. As well, but there's lots going on. Like you gotta save yourself. You gotta do the puzzle part, and you gotta date, and you gotta understand. What... <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Very nice. Okay, great. Heidi, that that's a great list. A lot of a lot of different games on there. Um I'm just curious if if I look at that list, I see a lot of story. You really like story, you really like art and the ambience and that that experience. Um maybe the other side, I guess, with Smash Bros kind of being the outlier, but even that is like journey connecting to others, multiplayer. So those seems to be big themes for you. What what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think for me, games are about connecting with other people and also having like um, artsy experience, like mm. while doing that. So I really love, for example, going to museums because I have the same feeling. Like you are learning and like checking art and like like experiencing art mm-hmm. in person but if you go with a friend or your family you can talk about that and experience together so yeah for me like games are kind of similar you go and experience something with other people or like share with other people and then you can have fun together yeah. So I think that's really important. I think it's a great way to look at it. Uh, I remember listening to something a while ago, and I can't remember what they're talking about, but they're talking about our video games art, and I think on it they were like, well, we're long past that. Of course they're art. And uh, I think mm-hmm. if, you, if, you, if you buy that, then your statement is spot on, and art's about kind of sharing it and shared experiences around it, right, and talking about it because it means something a little different to everyone. Yeah, I think like we all need, we all crave connection, even if we are like super introverted, Mm. like we crave connection anyway, right, isn't our being, and then like games, they facilitate that connection, and like even concerts or museums, anything that can facilitate that, I think it's valid. Of course, there are games or like bands, whatever, that they 
are kind of weird. So I'm not saying all oh, games are perfect. Oh, it's a perfect world. But I I guess like there are plenty of good content in the game industry, so we got to mm. enjoy that. Yes, we're 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 spoiled rotten these days with the number of games out there and indie studios and just great games out there. So couldn't agree yeah, more. Yeah, and yeah. great indie games. Well, Heidi, thank you so much. I think that was a, a great list, though. I'd like to comment as well. I think you had the, the least number of um, overlaps and uh, had some very unique games on there, so that was great to hear. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today, really hearing about you know your, your journey into a game studio and your role and a different point of view in the industry on the, the marketing and the operations side as opposed to always just on the creation side. So that was really fascinating to get a glimpse of. Um, just before we go, let's um, take one last moment. Where should we send our listeners if they want to learn more about Extremely OK Games and yourself and uh, your upcoming game, Earthblade? So basically, uh, you can check our website for our like uh, company stuff and social. So it's exok.com. And there you can follow us everywhere if you want. And then for my personal work, uh, or if you just want to say hi, uh, my handle usually is Heidi uh, underscore uh, KM. But if you Google like Heidi Mota, it's okay. You can find me and just say hi or whatever. Send me memes, cat memes especially. Hmm. And that's that's what I can say. And thank you so much, Grant, for today. It was really fun. I really enjoyed yeah, being part of your episode. <laughs> it's a pleasure having you. Thanks for inviting. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you so much. It was really nice. Once once you get Earthblade out, we'll ha we'll have you back, and you can talk. Tell us how that ride went. Oh yeah, that's that would be great. Yeah, <laughs> I really uh... want to do that. Wish you all the success. I hope it does as, as well as I think it will. It's uh, looking very good from the early release and looks like you got a strong community excited about it. So I think uh, yeah, it'll be very exciting. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah. I really want to come back for play. That sounds so great. Let's do it. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it. And the, um, the last thing I'll, I'll say just to our listeners is your... Um, your Discord is a very active Discord server, lots of great community. So if you're into XOK games, Celeste, Towerfall, the others, and upcoming Earthblade, that's a, a great place to go as well. Lots of uh, lots of fans there and a, and a great community. And I know you're very active in that as well, Heidi, you and the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we have an invite link I can uh, send to Grant and then Grant can share it with you all. Mm -hmm. And then just join our server if you want. Like we have a really healthy community over there. Everyone's yeah. really supportive. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Thanks again, Heidi. You take care. Enjoy your day. Thank you. You too. Have a great week and day and life. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Indie Dev Game Break Podcast, where we interview indie game creators on their inspiration, technology, and the top games that influence them. 
The Indie Dev Game Break podcast is hosted by Grant Karstensen with Straight Voltage Games. Music provided by Village Sound from Nova Scotia, Canada. Art and graphic design by Chad Boulier.